Welcome to Transmissions Alt Mode, where we talk all news, comics, and media related to the Transformers. This week, uh, we have what could be considered a crossover with Let's Talk Transformers, as we had the chance to sit down with Mike Seibert at TFCon Chicago 2022. In this conversation, we talk Transformers, TFCon, Star Wars, and other topics as we get to know Mike a little better. We'll be back to our regular media talk next week. Today is Friday, October 28th, 2022, and this is episode 309 of Transmissions Alt Mode. All right, this is Transmissions Podcast live at TFCon Chicago 2022. Uh, of course, I'm Big C, your host, and uh, of course, we're here with Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hello. And we got special guest... Mike Seibert from the Mike Seibert Radio Show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. It's the Mike Seibert Radio Program. Oh, <laughs> excuse Mike me. Mike Radio Podcast, I guess. It's, or you could just call it Mike Seibert Radio. It's fine. Hi, I'm Mike Seibert. I host Mike Seibert Radio. Never try to correct me. Yeah, it's, it's aggressively fine. It's fine. <laughs> No, great. It's yeah. We, uh, we've we've hung out with you before. It's at several past TF Con, so it's great to see you again. Uh, how have you been enjoying the show? It's been great, actually. I, uh, I I think this is the TF Con where the fandom universally said it's okay to go back to conventions. Mm-hmm. The dealer room has been packed all weekend. Um, all of our friends that are are selling uh, merch and toys and all that. Everybody is doing business. Um, folks are buying stuff and are happy folks are selling stuff and being happy. And more than anything, I mean, we got the entire transmissions team here and <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're all here together celebrating friendship and so celebrating fandom. Um, because like over the last couple of years, even as conventions have started to kind of slowly come back, it's been like, you know, bits and fragments. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll see some of each other, but I think this is the show where like almost all of us are in the same place at right. the same time. And it's, it's just pretty, been incredible. Pretty much everybody that was, you know, we would see in like 2018, 2019 pretty much are back here. Yep. And that's been fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. And, and again, just uh, just such a great vibe, uh, such a, such a great feeling of, uh, um, humidity, <laughs> it's it's like folks asked me earlier how's the how's the dealer room i'm like humid yeah i mean Mm. earlier in the week it was in the 30s here Mm -hmm. and now it's in the 70s this weekend so i was like you know perfect weather but they could use some more ac uh yeah Mm. yeah and and it's uh uh, certainly agitated by the um amount of con goers um i I, so i know we're here at at tf con and i I, I talked a lot about the the vibe during the show. Uh, I'm going to wade into a little bit of controversy here. If I had any criticism of the show um, as, as it is up to when we're, we're when we're doing this is a uh, real light on nightlife. The uh, yeah. the the visibility bar did not return. That was yeah. a, a COVID casualty uh, as, as near as we can tell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so there's been. Uh, room parties there's been parts parties the the lobby was kind of popping a little bit but it's it that's the one bit of the tf con experience that i think is kind of missing like there 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 was a, a few of us hanging out at the the caddyshack bar and um 
kind of hanging out here, actually really in this space in this, this secret VIP lounge. Oh crap. I just told everybody about it. Now it's not a secret <laughs> it's anymore. The, the new secret podcasting lounge. Yes. <laughs> These chairs are very comfortable. Um, but yeah, no, that that's really been my only criticism of the show is kind of like the lack of nightlife. And yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with the con organizers. I think it's, that's more on the hotel. So, right. Yeah. I mean, you look at Toronto, which the three of us, Daryl's behind the camera, but, Three yeah. of us did in earlier the summer mm-hmm. and the hotel gets in to, you know, they, they make sure that their bar has like themed drinks yeah. and they embrace the whole thing. And mm-hmm. this, they're just like, we're hotels you know? and they kind of don't want us here. Yeah. Um, like, so we, we were it's, in a Caddyshack last night and it's like, you know, when you're in a big group, a, a, a loadout is a phased process. It's like, you know, you pay your tab, then you kind of mosey over. And, uh, we were with a couple cosplayers. And so we we're taking like photos in the, in the, uh, um, vestibule lobby area. And the guy rolls up to me. He's like, no, Rip, please leave. Please leave. Wow. <laughs> you gotta go. Wow. Wow. Um, we were kind of hinted that it was time for us to leave when we were there on Friday night, just having dinner and we were just talking after dinner. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that because me and my crew rolled in like an hour after that. And so the, uh, um, uh, picking up on subtle cues and hints is not my first best strength nor is brevity. But, um, so the manager comes around phase one starts turning off the TVs. We're not watching the TVs anyway. It doesn't matter. Then they turn on the house lights. That didn't work. <laughs> Finally, I kid you not. Guy goes back there like we're in fourth grade, flicks the lights on and off. Oh, wow. And it's like, okay, guys, let, let's uh, let's throw away our, our empty pizza box and, and let us adjourn to the, uh, to the lobby. So, um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think I've gone on enough about that. But like it, it's... But- Again, it's celebrating that that camaraderie and fandom and just just being around friends. Yeah. And I, I, I love coming to TFCon and it, it's for folks that you connect with, like on uh, social media and podcasts and discord and all these platforms. But there are so many folks that I've seen here in real life for the first time and reconnecting with, uh, with my digital friends as well. But like you roll into some of those meetings and folks will be like, Oh, Hey, Mike Seibert. I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, you know, saying like, good to see you. But it's like, wait a sec, I've never actually met this person before, you know, because like those online connections are so real and so tangible that it doesn't occur to me. Oh, I've never met you before. You know, that kind of thing. It's so it's, it's been amazing from like an interpersonal standpoint. In my opinion, that's the best part of TF. Yeah. 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 I mean like the guests and stuff that that's um, that, that's certainly a cherry on top of the Sunday, but here for friendship. Yeah. Although speaking of guests, you got to meet the man, Peter Cullen. I absolutely did. And you know, one of the things that folks our age kind of run into sometimes is don't meet your heroes. Um, I, I have a William Shatner story that, I'm not really going to tell here. If you know it, you know it. Basically, like it, it was, he's not very personable. Um, so I didn't necessarily have a positive experience. So that's always kind of like the metric that I measure celebrity interactions with, like especially like at this level. But the Peter Cullen announcement really was 
the, I think like the largest domino to really get me to come to TFCon Chicago because I, I was kicking around the idea, but it was really close timing wise to me and my wife's uh, 20 year wedding anniversary. And it was like, well, I, we can't do anniversary celebration. And then I just leave and go to TFCon. I, I was always joking with my wife. It's like, so what are we going to do for our anniversary? How do you feel about Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, uh, uh, we did like a low key thing um, closer to home and that kind of freed up time vacation days and resources to where I went back to the table. I was like, Hey, how about the Chicago thing? You know what? That that's not a bad idea. Then the Peter Cullen announcement comes and then the, uh, um, uh, Susan blue announcement comes. And I'm just like, that's two big autographs on my poster. Um, that's, this is really something worth considering, but, um, with the Peter Cullen thing, I like the way the convention did it. There was some uh, controversy about like the, like the presale tickets. Like I saw some discourse folks saying, Oh man, it should be first come first serve people just running up to the table. Madness. That's nonsense. I mean, maybe it's just because we're adults and, and are more accustomed to like, yeah, if I want like a premium experience, I'm going to pay for it. And then, then kind of expect it. So that was my thing for jump. It's like, if I can prepay a ticket and guarantee I'm able to get an autograph, even if I have to wait through a queue to do it, I'm going to do that. So I, I, I have no problem with that. Um, the line was long. And if anybody uh, saw my Twitter, I was getting really nervous about the time frame of it. Cause I, I did the Saturday morning session and they allowed like 90 minutes, I think, for that morning session. And then that was butted up right against photo ops. So it's like, this could go off the rails quickly. So there was, there was some nervousness there, but all of that goes away. As soon as you walk into the room, it's like when you get around that last corner and you can see Mr. Cullen at the table and, and I, I, you know, I made line buddies Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, and I was like, guys, it's him. It's going to happen. And so I had a, um, the item I got autographed is I, uh, the uh, Fathom Events Transformers, the movie poster, the one uh, Levio did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ironically enough, uh, um, uh, Levio was the first autograph I got on it. I, I wanted to make sure I got him to sign it first. And then I've since been coming to subsequent TF cons to get folks specifically that participated in the movie. So there's a lot of like voice actors that I've skipped that, um, uh, that I haven't had sign it because it's specifically movie centric folks. You know, I got like, you know, Ron Friedman and Flint Dilly and, and all, all of the other voice actors. So anyway, that was, that was the item I had Mr. Cullen sign and you go through the process and you hand your item to a handler and, uh, and shout out to the volunteer staff, by the way, for like keeping the line moving and keeping things going at an orderly pace and, and nothing but love for the, for the TFCon uh, uh, volunteers. So you give your item to the handler and then they hand it to, I don't know if he's an agent, but like um, Mr. Cullen had somebody with him that wasn't a TFCon volunteer. And then they hand the item to, to Peter and he gets ready to sign it. But I, I go up to him. And, um, I, 
uh, I introduce myself. I'm like, hi, my name is Mike. I extend my hand and he gives me just like the, the warmest think, think of like, like a warm blanket, you know, like a, a, a maybe even like a warm buttery, uh, a biscuit of a blanket of a handshake. <laughs> I mean, it was just very well lotioned mm-hmm. and just very, um, grandfatherly you know it's yeah. like you know your grandfather with the the oven mitt hand our, our uh, catcher's mitt hand you know very very leathery but soft and supple and lotiony and warm and all that but um i i shake his hand and i go i just i just wanted to tell you thank you thank you for everything that you've done in this space and for this fandom it means a lot to a lot of people and it means a lot to me and he looks at me with those with those warm Canadian eyes, and he's just like, "You're welcome," and and my heart just melted, and yeah. and I took my poster, the, the ink was dry, and and off I went. I mean, I, I the the entire interaction was maybe sixty seconds, probably yeah. closer to forty five, but it meant the world to me that he was just so generous and gracious. And even just him, that's all he said to me was just, you're welcome. And that was enough. That was all. I I didn't need to ask him like a dumb fandom question or anything like that. Um, The autographs are just ink on paper. It's the experience though, of being able to look that man that means so much to so many of us in his eyes and say, thank you. That's all I wanted more than anything. And I got it. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely experience. I, I treasure when when uh, he was at TFCon Toronto a few mm, years ago because mm-hmm. we we did that and and uh, you know got an autograph and a and a picture with him. So that's you know it's always amazing to to and also uh, Frank Welker too. He had a he did it one year too as well, and that was that's awesome. That was exciting, and I, I share a birthday with Frank Welker, so it's always uh, oh that's awesome. And, you know, I've, you know, learned something new. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I'm sure we've talked about it on the show before, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, but it's, it's a, uh, it's exciting. I, you know, it's always, uh, I always found it interesting because um, especially, and this is something that's, you know, in Hollywood with, the, with big budget movies, just movies in general, animation in general, they, you know, it seems like there's always a tendency to pick celebrity voices in movies. I mean, even with Transformers, the movies, the mm-hmm. title card in Transformers the movie is uh, Leonard Nimoy and Robert Stack uh, and Eric Idle. And you don't see Peter Cullen or Frank Welker in the title uh, uh, of Transformers the movie. They're, they're at the very end, but mm-hmm. not, you know, not at the beginning. And um, so it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting that, uh, you know, of course, you know, as, as, uh, as fans who are, who are really into the voice actors, it's, uh, it, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, we're aware of but not uh, but uh you know it's hollywood does hasn't caught up to that i guess yeah yeah absolutely yeah so th- this is also kind of a, a let's talk transformers with you and that is also that's to learn more about you uh one of the things that i think these guys don't really have in common but i've really enjoyed uh and kind of picked up from from your show is a lot of the nerd core stuff. Oh yeah. And all the music. Like I, I've been a fan of various nerd core in the past, but then, um, oh crap. Now the name is slipping. Um, got 
the top word burglar. Seven. Yeah, word burglar. Yeah, you you see, I pulled that with no hints. Yeah, you <laughs> Toronto guy, shout out to, to that dude. You introduced me to word burglar, yeah. and this stuff is fantastic. It's and terrific. So, how'd you get into all of that stuff, um, like that side of music? Well, and, and that's interesting because, like, it, it has it's a convergence point of a couple different things. Uh, folks that might be meeting me for the first time, I um, I come from podcasting from my experience uh, being at a college radio station, uh, KGRG at uh, Green River College in Auburn, Washington, uh, uh, KGRG.com. But no, uh, uh, today's rock. No, I, uh, so basically like, the community college I was attending, uh, finishing out my IT degree, I discovered that they had a radio station and they had like a whole a variety of courses to, to go with that. And it's one of the few college radio stations where it's actually the students that operate it. Like from, from uh, management down to the DJs, everybody is students. Basically, like you have one general manager that teaches the classes to kind of like liaise with the college. But outside of that, the kids run it. Cool. So it's, it, it's for uh, uh radio for the kids by the kids, uh, regardless of how, <laughs> of your age. Um, I, I was probably like twice the, the average, uh, uh, twice the age of the, the median student there. You got a lot of running start kids and, mm-hmm. and just folks excited to get into broadcasting and, and they, be on they the radio been ground down by the machine yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I, I kind of come into it from, from a couple different perspectives. So my podcast, Mike Seibert radio is kind of like an offshoot evolution of what I used to do at KGRG. Um, that that's Mike Seibert radio in a nutshell, but the music part of it is my shows always kind of had one foot in kind of the music scene. Like a lot of my early episodes, and even now, occasionally are, are uh, interviews with musicians. You know, it's like, oh, you got a new album coming out? Great. C- uh, come on my show and let's talk about it. And that's something that kind of continued into even what I do now. Um, I was always a fan of uh, nerd adjacent music. I mean, you know, we're all like fans. Jonathan Colton, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even even further than that, like, you know, like Weird Al and all, yeah. all of that other stuff. But there was a, um, uh, a cat named Kyle Stevens uh, who has a nerd rock band called Kirby Crackle. Uh, which, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're comic book folks. It, it's, it's a specific reference to, uh, the Kirby dots that, that style right. yep. of crackling energy from, uh, uh, from Jack Kirby. So that's kind of where it starts is more with nerd rock. Um, in terms of like my specific connection to, with like making connections with these people and all of that. Um, so, oh gosh, I, I got connected with a uh, word burglar because he, is friends with Kyle Stevens, Kirby Crackle, and they played a show in Seattle called uh, Crackle Fest. Um, and I got the opportunity to host and MC that event. But anyway, I that's that's kind of where it comes from. It's like my connection with uh, with music on college radio, mm-hmm. and then it's just falling dominoes of getting connected with folks who know folks who know folks. So like there, there was a uh, one time at a uh, Emerald city comic con in Seattle where they actually had like an entire nerd music area. And so I got connected with like a half dozen different, uh, nerd core bands cool. and yeah, it's just, um, 
Um, I don't know if I answered that question as succinctly as you asked it, but basically (laughs) like it's because it's a few different overlapping stories that are all kind of happening at the same time. But with my podcast, I, I, it has roots in music promotion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, tell me your story. Tell me about your thing. Oh, you're, you've got a tour coming up. Great. In fact, my, my interviews with word burglar have always been related around a project he's got coming up. So it's like, you know, he, he released a, um, a nerdcore album, you know, where he's, he's rapping about uh, GI Joe. Um, and there, there was a time he did a, a collaboration with Cybertronic Spree. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's just those conversations and just kind of sharing that music. But, but yeah, I, I've always, I've always had a foot in uh, nerdy music. I should always, I should also mention one of the origins of my love of nerdcore comes obviously from adult swim and MC Chris, right. you oh, know, yeah. it's like, I think, I think. Uh, and I didn't know what it was. So it's like when, when I heard Fett's vet um, over uh, uh, the credits of that one episode of seed lab 2021 um, I'm a huge Boba Fett fan. Yeah. And I'm just like, so that, that was just such an earworm for me. I'm like, my back pats got jets. I'm Boba <laughs> the Fett. Bounty hunt for job hut to finance my vet. Ricky, Ricky round. <laughs> and it's no, it's uh, um you know, I, I got to meet MC Chris a few years ago too. He's, he's a cool dude, but yeah. So like, there's, there's like this whole like subculture within the subculture right. of like, you know, so you have like nerd music and then you have rap and hip hop and then you have nerd core. Um, and it's, it, it is a, it's a, a vibrant scene and it's an eclectic scene because very similar to podcasting, it's a very inclusive space. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's, um, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, LGBTQ representation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of female representation. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I've, I've, it is very similar to podcasting now yeah. that, now that I think about it, like in terms of like the folks that I've connected with and help promote their works and, you know, try to, cause that's what I've always tried to do with my platform is just kind of like try to introduce new things to an existing audience. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Are you into um, video games at all? Cause I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of music around video games too. You would think so, but uh, no, I, because as, as a gentleman in his mid forties, I don't have the dexterity for a, a controller that has more buttons than I have fingers for. So like, nice. I think once you start getting into um, I think maybe like Xbox 360 is maybe right around the time I punched out. And even then I was way too casual at that point anyway. Like um, it's like, Oh, you have to strafe to fire and you have to move from <laughs> round in this multi uh, uh, dimensional multifaceted space. I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. And then like casual gaming came around like, like candy crash and jet jetpack joyride and all that, where I just tap on my phone. I'm like, that's where that's at. But um, it, it's interesting though, that you do mention video games and video game music, because some of the musicians that I have connected with do uh chiptune music. Okay, and nice. and it, so it's basically like video game music. And um, like, like I, I know this dude who basically uh, creates music using a modified game boy. So oh. he, he's got like, you know, uh, I, I don't know the technology of all of it, but basically like he composes music 
on an old Game Boy, like 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 the the big brick yeah, gray yeah, one, yeah, um, yeah, with the with the um, uh, uh, green scale screen and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I I have a lot of affection for um, like you know like eight bit covers and you know uh, uh, that that kind of whole chip tune scene. Yeah. But in terms of playing video games, yeah, not so much. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, you mentioned um, talking about that. Um, that's that song. You're yeah. Boba Fett guy. I am. Um, it, what were your opinions on Boba Fett show? Oh, we're doing that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, I thought we were going to talk about like collecting and well, stuff. Cause we'll, I, we'll, we'll get there. I'm okay. Just, oh man. The, well, well, I read the book of Boba Fett. It, uh, <laughs> it, it happened. It was a thing that happened. Well, no, seriously. So like I, I am a lifelong fan of the Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, I, probably one of my favorite characters in fiction and not, not necessarily because of his character, but because of that iconic look um, like, like Jeremy, we talked about this a lot when you were on my show. We ironically enough, we never did go back and finish the book. We, we, didn't. <laughs> we, we went episodes one through four and little did we know that it became the Mandalorian after that, but um, the Mandalorian but, season 2.5. Yeah. We, we never did close the book yeah, on that. And didn't. I don't really think we need to, but no. this could just kind of be <laughs> okay. that, but, yeah. um, but no, so like I've, I've, I, it, it's just something about the helmet. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's iconic, mysterious, mysterious. He, he's the man with no name. He stands up to Darth Vader. Um, and it, it's, I don't know. He's just, it's just cool. It's, and it's, I, I, it kind of goes back to the action figure. You know, it's like you have, you have this Kenner figure. Everyone else has faces except for this dude and stormtroopers and robots and all that stuff. But like there, there's just this aura of mystery and badassness. Um, you know, that, that particular figure had a few more paint apps than your average Kenner star Wars figure. He was very colorful and just, you know, loaded with weapons and jetpacks, and just, it, it just really stuck with me. So I, I think I'm actually, well, I don't know if I'm more of a Boba Fett fan than I am a transformers fan, but like transformers is a fandom that I've picked up and put down. Um, so like this level of Transformers fandom, like being part of the podcast scene and all this, this is relatively new for me. Like, I don't think I connected with you all until like 2018, maybe yeah. 2017. So, I mean, it's been a, it's been a minute at this point, but relatively to the fandom there, there's the, it was a revelation to me that there was like an online fandom. I just kind of like, I, you know, Transformers, the movie is, is among my favorite movies. And I've said it's my favorite movie and, in in various places, but like, I never really participated like in the, the fandom. I, there was a portion of my life where I thought, and, and you're going to laugh. I thought I was the only one that liked Transformers, the movie, <laughs> because like, I didn't, I didn't really have a tether to yeah, yeah. a fandom. So it wasn't until like I got into the scene that, that, you know, uh, my eyes were opened like, to like you're the, one of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, I'm like, Ooh, I like transformers, the movie. And it, it's, it's kind of like, who doesn't, <laughs> you know, that, that that's, that's not special. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but anyway, back to Boba Fett. Like I, I've, I've, I've been into Boba Fett longer and more consistently than I have been even Transformers. 
And um, when, oh, so, you know, you get, you get attack of the clones and you kind of get that extra backstory that nobody really want, but we, we, we just kind of have now. Um, and then Boba Fett kind of went dormant and the sequel, the sequel trilogy kind of comes and goes, uh, no mention of Mandalorians or, or any Fett descendants, which in retrospect, I am, am thankful for, <laughs> yeah. but, um, after the rise of the Skywalker, I'm like, we're never going to see Boba Fett ever again. And then Mandalorian comes out and I'm like, well, we're never going to see Boba Fett ever again. Then season two happens. I mean, you know, Tamara Morrison is, is, is uh, mentioned as joining the cast. And I didn't even then really kind of get my hopes up. But then that uh, I, I think was it the sixth episode. It's the, the naming convention for the Mandalorian episodes is so crazy. Cause it's like season two, episode six, colon chapter 14, colon the yeah. tragedy or whatever. It, it's the episode where I mean, you got the cameo obviously yeah, early, yeah. but that episode where Boba Fett comes back like in full and I remember watching it with my wife and I, I just literally like reached out to her. I'm just like, you know, just like grabbed her leg. I'm just like, it's happening. And it almost reminded me of the experience I had when I was seven years old, when I saw Transformers, the movie in the theater was those like iconic viewing moments that just leaves an imprint on you. And I didn't think at my age that something like that could happen again, but like, when I mean the scene is just just perfect just, where he Boba Fett. he literally like jetpacks in after throwing a grenade at the at these Julio stormtroopers and it's this gorgeous shot where you're rising up with a stunned stormtrooper and you just see him like a dad bod and everything <laughs> and then he like you know cracks that dude uh, uh, across the face guns him in the chest and then it. Then it's just a Friday the 13th movie after that. I mean, I think there's a lot of connective yeah. tissue between Boba Fett and Jason Voorhees in terms of just like the unstoppable engine once it gets going and just that that scene. And I think that's maybe 90 seconds on the screen. It's not long, um, but it, it it made an impact on me. And I kind of got a, a little like, throat clinchy and a little glassy out. I didn't roll a, didn't roll a tear. It's not clerks three, but like um, it, it left an impression on me and kind of really was transportative. Like when I connected with that transformers movie very early on. And, uh, and I, I liked his subsequent appearances. I like Boba Fett as Mando's Uber driver. <laughs> that, that he's just like Mando's buddy. Yeah. I, I like that dynamic. We finally got to see how the transition inside the ship works when yes. it goes. Oh from- my God. When you see the gears turning and stuff, yeah, that was cool. And, and so like all of those appearances for those last two episodes, like even the point where like they're, they're trying to figure out, um, who's going to go into the base with Bill Burr. And, and just, I mean, I, I love, Tamara Morrison's uh, uh, diction and his manner of Tatooine. And it's just like, it's, it's so exotic and the otherworldly. It's just got such a cool um, uh, timbre to it. And when he's just like, let's just say they might recognize my face and just tilts his head just a little bit. And I'm just like, 
it's just that 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 performance is just so special and just so iconic and you know to bring him back and put him in the boba fett suit it's just it's it's really completing the circle now i'm hoping somewhere down the line uh daniel logan gets his chance now that he's an adult to be like Mm -hmm. a younger boba fett I you know I mean I'll yeah. I'll I'll co-sign that as much as the day I mean, is he long. He did the voice in the Clone Wars. Yeah, so. absolutely. So I mean, he has as much claim to the character as as Tamara Morrison does. But then, um, you get to that end credit scene of Mandalorian season two, and it happens. And even then, I'm like you know excited and intrigued. You know, first time we get a post credit scene in in um, live action Star Wars proper. And it's like, you know, you know, coming uh, uh, winter 2021, I think. Um, What is time? But, um, (laughs) uh, you know, the book of Boba Fett. I mean, what a cool title reveal. And um, and then the show happens (laughs) and then and then the show happens. So it's um, I I have very mixed feelings about the book of Boba Fett. It's um, I don't dislike it. Um. It's it's got some strengths. It's got some weaknesses. It's got a lot going on. It's got some really cool concepts, like the idea of grizzled bounty hunter Boba Fett after living this life as a bounty hunter, mercenary, gun for hire, working for nobody but himself and and the Empire and various syndicates and all that. Having that, and you know, we we talked off mic earlier about uh, uh, Clerks Three a little bit, and and Gen X flavored existential dread and ennui and angst, um, where Boba Fett has kind of this life changing thing. It's it's he basically has Kevin Smith's heart attack in in, in the Sarlacc <laughs> pit, and yeah. and it completely changes his worldview. But I, and I think I've been hanging around with too many, uh, um, uh, fan fiction writers because like my, my imagination has been sparked to find, um, something in nothing. Right. I mean, cause like none of yeah. that is, is on the page or on the screen, but like, since I've the friends that we have, it's opened up my mind to, to interpretation. So it's like, I see all of this and you see the gears turning. He's like, I've got to do something else now. Why that translates into being the, the crime Lord of, of, uh, Moss, whatever's is it a Moss Espa? Is it a, I think it's Moss. Moss. Okay. I, I, I can remember, but, um, that doesn't entirely make sense, but that's fine. Um, the show, can I ask you, uh, yeah, please. as someone who, I mean, I am, I'm a fan of Star Wars, but not, yeah. I would, I would say probably maybe a filthy casual Star Wars fan. Is it? I love it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was thought, you know, one of the big draws of Boba Fett, as you mentioned, was the mystery. And I felt like in the last, you know, the last few years, they've kind of tried to fill in so much story that yeah. didn't need to be filled in. And that kind of made him less appealing to a lot of people is that you're telling too much backstory or too much story that kind of we don't really get, you know, we see the character as kind of a, you know, a mercenary who is out, has his own, you know, personal self-interest. And that doesn't really translate to someone who kind of forms relationships with the Tusken Raiders and becomes kind of this 
like, dances with Tuscan Raiders guys, <laughs> yes, who, yes. you know, who then wants, you know, wants to get revenge and justice for these people who mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, he worked with, which I mean, it's a, it's a fine and interesting story. It just kind of, for me, didn't feel like that's, I, I didn't see Boba Fett going from where he was in the original trilogy to where he ended up in right. the book of Boba Fett. So. Well, and, and I think that's kind of some of the fan backlash also, because yeah. I think folks, including myself to an extent, um, wanted the, the, the Boba Fett of the titular character of the book of Boba Fett is not the same guy that we met at the end of season two of Mandalorian. Mm. And I think that's kind of what my disappointment was a little bit. Um, I liked a lot of the directions. I, I like the stuff with the sand people. I, I am all for, um, indigenous people's allegories and representation there. I think those are stories that are important and that matter. Um, but then you, you, uh, that that's the thing with like the Disney plus model of like week by week, you, you get to chew on it and have those water cooler conversations. And it's like, you know, what's this going to be like? I had a, I had, a, um, an amazing conversation with, uh, with Thomas Deere, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, and his thing was like, he thought that that was going to pay off where like at the end of the show, Boba Fett's going to be in trouble and nobody can help him. And suddenly all of his friends, the Tuscan Raiders, the, this massive army comes back to save the day. And then they live in harmony in the, in the, you know, village Mos Aspa or whatever. But instead they, they literally got fridged. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're just doing women in refrigerators literally. Um, and that, that made me very disappointed. Yeah. There, it, there was it, so much was so good cheap. stuff that had been built up with his relationship with them mm-hmm. to have it end like it did. It was just frustrating. Mm. So it's very mixed. Like I, I don't, I don't have as much problem with the, uh, the Vespa gang as other folks do. I think a lot of it just kind of comes from the production design. It looks very the, the, video-y. The cinematography and the, the, the low speed chase is my problem yeah. with that. Oh my gosh. It, yeah. It's, it's painful, but like there's a lot of stuff that is conceptually very cool. Mm. Boba Fett but, rides a Rancor. You know, um, five-year-old me would have gone bonkers for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and and we get that moment, and it's kind of cool. It's also kind of not in a in a kind of way. But then his story gets shanghaied by the Mandalorian. Yeah. And the other thing too, and this might be a little bit of a, a, a provocative hot take. Boba Fett is now a um, supporting character of the Mandalorian, and I think there's some folks that don't quite get that the book of Boba Fett is a spinoff of the Mandalorian. And I think folks were expecting like what the long rumored Boba Fett movie would have been. I think that's what fans were expecting. And I don't know if they got that, but as a Boba Fett spinoff where, where Mando is the flagship character, it really kind of works. So it's like when Mando shows up to help out his buddy Boba Fett and it's like, well, is this where we're going to make our last stand it's more a moment for Mando than it is Boba Fett where he like cocks the pistol and he's like, this is the way click clack. And it's just, I mean, that that's a great moment for Mando that Boba Fett is just kind of there for. Um, But yeah, so on the whole, I don't dislike it. I don't particularly like it. It's very mixed. I'm glad it exists, but, um, but yeah, very, very mixed. I will be interested to see what, 
happens to Boba Fett from here going into Mando season three? It's like, mm-hmm. does are they just going to keep repaying each other's life debts back and forth? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, me personally, my, my fan fiction brain, I would like to see kind of we immediately after the book of Boba Fett, it all comes crashing down off screen, like yeah. like a bigger crime lord comes in, and and Boba and Fennec have to you know they're they're on the run or something like that. Mm. Um, I don't know if I want to see um, Tamara Morrison's uh, bright white smile handing out fruit to the to the the townspeople. I don't yeah. know if I need that. And since we're here, I don't need Robocop. I mean, I love Timothy Oliphant. I think that uh, his casting as Cobb Vanth is brilliant because I'm a fan of Deadwood. I'm a fan of Justified. So I'm like, and he's just those characters. He, he's literally Rayleigh Givens, well, and and I love it. But if you've read the Aftermath trilogy of books, I mean, Cobb Vanth, like, I mean, I, I was happy to see him on screen at all. Yeah. So that was great. But I don't want him to be a cyborg person. Right. I mean, so, I mean, I, I like that Thundercat is there and I, I, I like the idea of the mods, but I don't right. want that. I, I don't want him to show up with like a stupid Borg eye or something right. really dumb. Um, and you can't put Timothy Oliphant under, under heavy makeup. It's like you start covering up that face. It's like, what are you doing? This is why yeah. we're here. You know, the, you know, that kind of thing. But that's, yeah. that's why I would yeah. like to see with, with Boba Fett. I, I like now that he's reached this pinnacle you got to take it all away. Otherwise right. it's, you know, your characters get complacent. You you need conflict to drive drama yeah. and, and smiling and handing well, fruit to the, to the uh, townspeople doesn't give you that. Yeah. Kind of wrapping back to where we, we started with fandom and stuff. Have, have you interacted with the star Wars fandom at all? Like been to conventions? I could swear on this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. No. <laughs> I briefly, I, I, I mentioned that like my, my transformers fandom kind of like came in waves. I fled to transformers fandom from star Wars fandom, like the, all of the discourse about the sequel trilogy and the Disney era mm-hmm. too much for me, too many bad takes, too many chuds, too much alt-right nonsense, Mary Sue, this and, and that, I, I just I don't have a taste for that type of discourse, and that era of Star Wars was rotten with it. So I wanted to come to a space which, again, you're you're gonna laugh that I thought was a little more inclusive and wholesome, <laughs> and for a time it was. And but then I started getting a little deeper. I'm like, oh, those assholes are here too. But you, you got to yeah. kind of go looking for it. And I mean, they're everywhere. They're yeah. everywhere, unfortunately. <laughs> I, one thing I would say, because I don't really participate in the Star Wars fandom online, mm-hmm. but having been to Star Wars Celebration, been to many TF cons and bot cons, you really don't see that in person at the shows. That is true. And, like you don't see it here, for example. Right. And like the Star Wars fandom in person, you, you have like the, the 501st, the yeah. Mando Mercs. Yep. And... You know, all of the fun stuff in person, it, it just, I was wary because I knew about the, the online, you know, trolls and everything, mm-hmm. but it was just so awesome being in person and absolutely you know, interacting with the people in the costumes and stuff. So I've been to conventions where the 501st has had a presence mm-hmm. um, and I've had some interactions with the, uh, the Mandalorian Mercs. 
um, you know, both great groups. And but yeah, like in terms of like Star Wars capital F fandom, like TFCon was my first uh, brand specific convention. Like right. I, I live in Seattle, so like um, yeah, Emerald City. And, and, yeah, so I'm I'm used to that more than specific niche. Like I discovered uh, Cybefest, our uh, a little unofficial Transformers convention in in the Seattle area, after I had already been to TFCon. Um, so I had I had a buddy of mine, Nick. He's like, I think there's a Transformers convention around here. You should go check it out. And I was like, I should. So I went, and it's like. It's like a little mini TFCon. I mean, right. it, it's basically a toy show in a gym. It, I mean, it's yeah. very, very uh, um, small scale, but but it there there is a surprisingly large and passionate contingent of uh, 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 Transformers fans. I almost said Boba Fett fans. Uh, <laughs> I'll loop back around to that, and I'll tell you about all the the Fett figures I bought recently. Um, but no, I mean there there there's a a surprisingly uh, large and passionate. Uh, fan base in the Pacific Northwest, and that that kind of comes to a head at Sidefest Northwest, where mm. folks um, you know come and and again, it's mostly a a dealer show. But um, the right before COVID, it started to grow and expand, doing panels and live streams, and we're kind of trying to still kind of get our post COVID legs a little bit. Yeah, uh, planning has begun for Sidefest Northwest 2023. It's actually the 10th anniversary of that uh, that nice. show. So we're we're um, I may or may not be doing some networking while I'm while uh, while I'm here at TFCon, um, uh, talking to some of the voice actors and and um, you know. Seeing if we can really do it up, like uh, 2018, the uh, the um, second to last post COVID show. Um, no, I'm sorry, it was 2019. My mistake. Um, uh, David K came up, oh, and nice. he was like an absolute delight. Yeah, he's great. I mean, and you know, to be like in a a small local show where you can just roll up to him and chat for as much as the day is long that's something really special. And that, so like, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, you think of like macro level, you know, San Diego comic-con Emerald city comic-con. Then you go to uh, that next rung down, which is like here at TFCon, And then you have that, that other next level. Like I would throw in uh, shows like dairy con in there where, yeah. where it is. It's much I mean, like that. I mean, I mean, shout out to, to Fred work and all the stuff that he, he, because of their social media presence, it feels much bigger than it actually is because but they don't have guests or anything. It's all just yeah dealers. But but he's found a way to just feed the wheel to where it's like DairyCon is always in the back mm-hmm. of people's minds, and we refer to it like it's like this big iconic show. Um, but anyway, so you have stuff like that where you can have those more intimate connections with um, with folks. Uh, being part of Transformers fandom has kind of made me more aware of Hasbro's um, uh, action figure practices. I'm trying to be diplomatic, but basically like I, I've bought the same Boba Fett mold at least a dozen times now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's a great mold, but there's other ones they can do too. But like there, there's a lot of like part swapping, a lot of like parts reuse. Um, I, I'm seeing a lot of that, like in GI Joe classified series. How many, how many versions of the side swipe mold do you have? Um, I have, well, let's see. I, I now here, I think this is actually breaking news. I have completed my, my side swipe Lambo Ranger army. I, I just <laughs> got 
the uh, uh, the uh, uh, covert clone G two sideswipe oh. that that was the other half of the Alpha Strike Counterforce here in uh, him and <laughs> Slam Dance. I think wow. I, I keep trying to call them flywheels because it's like it's no, it's not flywheels. It's it's the Autobot uh, repaint. It's a um, uh, Slam Dance and a Trench Put their uh, their Battlemaster. But anyway, so so it's the the G two colored sideswipe, and that was an Amazon exclusive that kind of didn't come and go was on clearance for a while. And it was long before I was into the mold. So I started collecting the mold after that set had come and gone. And now I ha- it ended up being the last one I had to track down, but yeah. So, so let me see, let me see. It's uh so it's siege sideswipe, siege, red alert, Netflix sideswipe, Netflix, red alert, um, Netflix, blue, deep cover, Generation Selects Deep Cover, Generation Selects Tiger Track, and I think that's the oh and 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 um, um, Covert Clone Sideswipe. So that's eight and Gigawatt. Oh yeah, and so he's part of that family also. Um, so yeah, so you got uh, you got Gigawatt, and then you get into the the retools of the Earth Mode, which I was going to pass on those until a buddy gifted me one, and I'm like, oh well, now I have to get. Um, uh, cause like that, that was when, uh, the, uh, battle across time, uh, sideswipe yeah. and Skywarp uh, was starting to show up at Ross. He, he got the set for 20 bucks. He's like, do you want the sideswipe? I was like, well, I was trying to stay away from that tooling. Um, so I could just stick with the, the, the siege tooling and, but he, he just gave it to me. I'm like, well, well shit. Now, I, now I need to get. Clamp down and uh, and Kingdom Red Alert right around the time Walgreens started restocking it. So it's like everybody once once a, a BWTF uh, put it up. Um, Ant sent it to me. A couple other folks sent it to me. I'm like, yes, I see it. I I put it in my cart and I put some hair gel in there too to to make sure I got free shipping. I got it. So um, so with that, so it's it's um, uh, Kingdom Red Alert. Um, Earth mode sideswipe in the battle cross time two pack and clamp down, and I think that's all of them. So that's eight, nine, ten, eleven. Wow, I, yeah. I'm trying to count on one hand and I, I lost track, but yeah, but yeah, it just shows you what Hasbro does. It, yeah. They, yeah, they will milk it until it is done and then even some more. And I can it's, give a fuck about sideswipe because <laughs> folks will ask me, it's like because like I'm a sound wave guy, and so like all my friends are like. What are you doing collecting Sideswipe? It, it, it's just a fun mold to play with. Yeah, it's a great tool. You know, it, it's very intuitive, and it kind of reminds me of some of the G1 molds. Like, it kind of reminds me of the Dotson mold in a kind of way, the way, like, the legs tuck mm-hmm. back in and the, the arms fold in. It reminds me more of that Dotson mold than it actually does G1 Sideswipe because of the way he transforms. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's just it's fun, and it's like, oh, there, there's an array of these? Cool, I, I guess... You know, like so many Pokemans, you got to catch them all. But, yeah. but, but it's so yeah. So I have as many Black Series Boba Fets as as I do um, uh, Siege Sideswipes. In is just as many colors. I wish I because it seems like Hasbro has retired the Siege tooling in favor of the Earth Mode uh, mm. tooling, which is a shame because I I actually prefer that. I like like the the more rounded chest, um, even though it's not. Yeah, I, I like that space car. I like it as a space yeah. car instead of as a Lamborghini. Um, 
which, which is, again, is a weird take. Maybe that's why I like that mold so much because like, again, I, I, as sideswipe, I don't, I, I have no tether to the character. I do not care about him at a, at all, but they made that mold in enough different colors where you almost have a super sentai power rangers squad <laughs> so it's like i've got, I've got yeah. black one I mean, a couple black ones now but i got a yellow one a blue one and a uh, um and and a couple different white ones as well john hasbro if you're listening i need a pink one and a green one. Oh, and and gigawatt can be titanium ranger there you go and so so you're you're fine with that but um mm. so yeah so like in the phantom i think I don't remember if it was Andy or uh, maybe it was even Dan Larson. I don't, I don't remember uh, uh, toy galaxy, like so, connecting like the, the super sentai and, and uh, power Rangers to the sideswipe mold, because like they're so vivid, like that, that they're yellow right, on yeah. tiger track is, is it, he's, he's yeah. the yellow Ranger basically. And mm-hmm. same with the blue on blue deep cover. It's like, you know, they're very, they're very vivid in a way. A lot of like those reused molds, kind of aren't yeah um or maybe it was michael andrews but anyway so like it was all like the the super sentai lambo ranger squad or lambros or whatever we came up with a few different names of it but but it's it's just that fun of collecting and when you connect with like-minded folks or into it's like so when people are sending me oh man do you get all the lambos yet it's (laughs) like are you on the lookout for lambos it's uh, i'm sure you guys run into this also but like when people know what you're into and they start messaging you about it, it's yeah. like, like, they, um, they uh, love to spend your money. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, uh, Melvar was teaching, uh, teasing me earlier. We saw a, uh, one of several Unicrons out on the floor and it's like, if they had slapped Transformers, the movie on that, would you have bought it? And I, I thought, I thought I looked at the floor and I'm like, yes. But when it said war for Cybertron trilogy, I noped right out of that. I'm like, I don't, I don't need it. I, I passed on HasLab Unicron, not not necessarily because of the price, um, but be just so it's so goddamn so, big. Yeah, yeah. I, I I knew I had no place to put it, and I think that's why we're seeing them on the floor now. Again, right. if you can get that premium price for it, you know, power to you as as like an investment thing. You know, I I, I got nothing bad to say about that, but for like, I I am kind of grateful that they didn't slap that, that, that specific uh, TFTM call out on there because that would have, that would have been a rough day at the office for me to try to uh, relitigate that because that's, that that's my kryptonite. As long as you put like the transformers, the movie call out on it, like I I'm buying super seven figures of representations that aren't even in the, I have toy colors, Galvatron that super seven put on a transformers, the movie card, the card art is beautiful, but like that character, that version of the character has no representation. You need to learn to just let some things go. FOMO is a real thing and you need to like, that's something I I'm working on. And it's just, I think every, every fan needs to do that. Cause I think, Financially, it, it'll, yeah. it's a big deal. But, well, and 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 shout out to my uh, upcoming pre-orders. I still have two more Black Series Boba Fett's that have yet to come. Um, and and the the one that I'm waiting for, and I'm I, I'm pissed that it's a Walmart exclusive, but it it is the specific deco for when he shows up in that season two Mandalorian episode, not Mm. the all black, but like the beat up version before he repainted it. Mm. And like that, I think is my favorite deco 
because that moment meant so much to me when I, when I, uh, um, when I watched it, I I think that closes the loop and, and, and kind of brings (laughs) things all the way. I was trying to think of what dangling threads I, I kind of left there. It's, it's interesting because I think, uh, like, I mean, companies like Hasbro and, you know, in general, like they kind of weaponize our, our connection to, uh, to these characters and, and, you know, they, they take advantage of that and, and, you know, our, yeah, I mean, they, they, they know that FOMO is real too. And that's why, they make, you know, you know, Walmart exclusives or, you know, Amazon exclusives, things mm-hmm, like that. So mm-hmm. it's, so yeah, I guess we have to, we're in an arms race with, with the yeah, mega corporations yeah. to, to try and stay sane here. You know? But I think Jeremy nailed it though. It's like, yeah. you got to know what your level is yeah. and, and where to stop. And, and, you know, it's like, you know, the line must be drawn here this far, <laughs> no farther. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, so what other, um, I guess I would say, uh, where, where do you, um, where, what are, what are the other fandoms you dip your toe into or do you, or are you a fan of everything? I mean, I, so like, cause I, for me, you know, I think, uh, Marvel is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have the, the, uh, the, the ca- the casual back and forth Marvel versus DC on our podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Daryl's a diehard DC hater over there on on the other side of the camera. There, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm kind of a I'm Switzerland. I'm neutral party. Yeah, like, yeah. But, I, but you I, know, just in general, I you know be, being a a fan of comic book properties, I have to be careful about saying like being a fan of comics because I haven't really participated in whatever the big two is putting out for a number of years, mm. you know, it just, it, it was, it was space. It was time. It was money, you know, shifting interests, um, changing tastes, you know, things like that. So I, so I kind of, kind of noped out of, uh, monthly comic books, um, to the point where now they're making movies of stuff that I have no tether to. I was just like, um, I don't know what that is, but I, so I, I am a fan of comic book movies. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan of comic book universes. So the the um, concept of being partisan about it is entirely foreign to me. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't understand the I'm a DC guy or I'm a Marvel guy because like it's all it's all it's all superhero books. Like and you, and you see so much of that, like nasty discourse on Twitter. It's just like, how about we just celebrate that? genre is being put out and being celebrated um, without being so partisan about it. But that's kind of the nature of our society. I think, I think we're, we, we are tribal at our core. Like there's there's too much of, I like this. Therefore you're bad. If you don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Well, look at the uh, third party panel here at a a TFCon. Like, you know, you get a temperature of the crowd of like, who is in whose camp. Right. So, so again, we're kind of, we're kind of tribal by nature, but like, no, I, I, I like a little bit of everything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like genre that, that, you know, I'm, I'm a huge uh, science fiction person. Like mm-hmm. it's funny. I, I recently uh, revisited uh, uh, Transformers 2007 and it has a trailer for Iron Man, Iron Man, the oh. first one. Oh. And, and it's presented like a real movie. Like it's it's weird that like in like this postmodern MCU, um, you know, ten years and and twenty some odd movies in, that Iron Man the first is presented just like a a science fiction action movie, um, not all that dissimilar to kind of how they 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 presented Transformers, but it's like that that 
that dichotomy just really kind of like, I, I hadn't seen that trailer in years. Yeah. And, um, but in terms of like toy collecting, I, so, um, our, our mutual friend, uh, Aaron from Autopod Decepticast, he has a very narrow focused Transformers collection. And his thing is, is like, um, third party or official. I just want the best representation of this cast of characters. Mm -hmm. Whereas my collection is aggressively unfocused because like I buy stuff that I like. So like, you know, I, I have like an entire sideswipe army. I have a Boba Fett army. Um, I, I have a snake eyes army. Um, so, you know, I, I mess around with GI Joe, but I don't collect all of anything. So you're not you, a completionist. No, I, I, I'm certainly not. Unless it's unless like it's something, unless it's something <laughs> achievable like that. So like, yeah. I, I don't collect uh, GI Joe classified series as a completionist because I can't, it's so rotten with exclusives. And like, even like the, the figures that are going to come with the Haslab his tank are numbered. So if you, if you're a completionist and you didn't throw down for the hiss, you're going to have gaps in your collection. And I think that's, mm. That's a little gauche. I yeah. think that's. I think that's kind of that's, important. That's Hasbro cashing in on the FOMO. Hasbro, <laughs> Hasbro be Hasbro. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I've I've got a variety of things, yeah. and I've got weird things like um, you know, since folks know I'm a Boba Fett fan, my family has got Christmas locked down for me. It's it. So it's not um, if it's what. But and folks find some really cool stuff like uh, my my uh, extended family is very much Disney people. So like whenever they go to Disney World, they're always on the, the lookout for for Fett stuff and where it was kind of dry, where basically like, you know, this was before like the Disney era and, you know, Book of Boba Fett, Mando and all that stuff. So it's like anytime they saw like a Boba Fett water bottle or something like that, they'd buy it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes now. But mm-hmm, yeah. I'm into a lot of stuff, basically, yeah. but not any, any one thing. I celebrate the catalog. We wrap it up. Yeah, man. I think we're, we're wrapping right. up. We're, <laughs> now we went too far the other direction. Yeah. We're getting the dirty it's, looks from Daryl. It's like stretch, stretch. It's yeah. like, yeah. What time is oh. it? What? What? Well, we got a whole nother uh, podcast here, Panic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, we we would love to talk to you forever, and I think we 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 will get more chances to talk to you in the future. I'm sure. Count on it. But uh, yeah. uh, before we before we do wrap things up, uh, I want to give you the chance to basically plug whatever you've got going on. Of course, the Mike Seibert Radio podcast show yeah. program. <laughs> anything else? Well, anything else that's things. going on? <laughs> uh, not specifically. Like um, I, in fact, I I don't even really know what I have in the hopper. I'm probably gonna record a kind of like post TF con, um, you know, just kind of like download info dump, probably mm-hmm. tell my Peter Cullen story again on my show and just, you know, kind of talk about like this, this terrific celebration of friendship we had, but no, I don't have anything in particular to, um, uh, to plug. You can listen to Mike cyber radio pretty much everywhere. You listen to uh, transmissions. Um, I'm on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Mike Seibert radio. Um, and the spelling on my last name is S E I B E R T. I am not the guy that made the Mars Rover um, at Mike Seibert <laughs> with my, with my spelling. Um, he, he got that one and you oh. know what, you know what you did the Mars Rover. So, you know, <laughs> you, you can have it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I changed the spelling on it. It's a, a S I B E R T in my own way to try to goose the pronunciation a bit to make, mm-hmm. but 
it hasn't worked. <laughs> no. It's fine. It's no big deal. But uh, but thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. This was an absolute blast. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. we'll have links uh, in our show notes and uh, below the, if you're watching on YouTube, just click in the description it's below and it. there'll be links to everything. Uh, so yeah, thanks again to Mike Cyber for joining us, hanging out with us at TFCon Chicago 2022. Uh, this of course has been Transmissions Podcast. Uh, you can check us wherever, pod, you know, wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can uh, see all our uh, all our stuff on our YouTube channel. Uh, thanks everyone yeah. for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Good choices. Bye. Later. <laughs> we did it. That was a good one. That was <laughs> later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Transmissions. If you'd like to join the conversation, travel to our Discord channel at transmissionspodcast.com slash Discord. Want some cool transmission swag? Feast your eyes on our transmissions gear at transmissionspodcast.com slash shop. If you'd like to support our podcast, go to transmissionspodcast.com slash support or tell your friends about our show. We'll see you next time.